Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five-star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Evening, evening, evening all. Um, I was just fiddling with buttons and making sure that I was recording on everything. And so, that being said, I've got Nico um, with the hand up. So, Nico, I've invited you onto the stage. Hello, can you hear me? Hello, yeah, I can hear you. What's your question? Hello. Hello. What's your question, Nico? Hi, I can hear you. Hello. Um, I've got a, a final hearing coming up. Um. I was hoping for a section seven, which didn't come. Yeah. Um, I have now in, given my solicitor some um, voice recordings to use in the final hearing of child abuse um, to an effect. Now, re- regardless of that, if parents are not on good terms, what is the likely outcome of a 50-50 arrangement? It will have nothing to do, Nico, with whether you guys can co-parent effectively or not. Um, It's decided on what's in the best interest of the children. So starting point will be what's the status quo now? In other words, um, what is the routine that the children are in right now? And then if we're going to move away from that routine to achieve 50-50, is that in the kids' best interests? The fact that you guys aren't co-parenting very well won't really come into it. Okay. All right. So how... How do you um, show that something is in the best interest over something that somebody else thinks is? By explaining. So you'll have an opportunity to put forward a statement, so to file and serve a statement, and you'd explain in there that, you know, this is what the other side are looking to achieve, this is what they think is appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate for this reason, and you'd list them A, B, C, D. And if you're going into a final hearing, I would really expand on the reasons as to why you don't think it's appropriate. Don't simply list them and leave it at that. Be really clear about why you, you feel that that wouldn't be in the child's best interest. Always keep keeping it child focused. Okay, thank you for that. You're I am we are heading into that um sort of stage and it's it's very worrying. Yeah. Um I mean none of it's been necessary and it, it, even to the point that conflict has has been kept quite high by the other parent. Yeah. Um and I, I just wonder whether a court would say look this you know this is um this conflict will keep going. Um or whether they would just look at what is in the best interest. They, um, they, they... Do, 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 does the past and their root and the other parent's life come into play as part of the reasons why? It will depend, Nico, if it's directly relevant to the issue before the court. So, you know, if they've been done for fraud, for example, then no. But if there's maybe been some drug and alcohol abuse and we feel that they may, you know, potentially look to be relapsing, then yes. So it all depends on what it is that you're looking to introduce. But you've got a solicitor, Nico. So my suggestion would be that you have a good chat with them 
um, because they know yeah. your case far better than I do. I, what I was wanting to ask is when um, the other parent has said to the child that mummy doesn't love them okay. and um, things like that, okay. is that something that a court would, would look upon in a bad way? Well, it's not appropriate. Absolutely. It's not appropriate. But again, I have no okay. context of your case. So by all means, raise that in your statement. All right. Okay, thank right. you. You're welcome. Bye. Dark matter, I'm going to come to you next. Let me just take you off mute. Sorry, there we go. What's your question? Hi. Hello. Um, yeah, I want to remain anonymous. Um, sure. I'm just wondering, um, how, I've bought a house recently and I was just wanting to, um, and I'm not married yet, but I am looking to get married soon. I was just wondering, what? Um, how can I protect myself, um, if, if anything? Um, to ensure that, you know, at some point in the future, if I was to get a divorce, I'm just thinking of the worst scenario. How can I protect myself to ensure that, you know, I've, I've put a lot of money into this, yeah. ensure that I get an equitable share in, in the house, like the, the share that I actually deserve? Is this, do you mean you want to protect what you're bringing to the marriage or you want to protect what you're going to accumulate within the marriage? Protect you... what I... I'm bringing to the marriage. Obviously, okay. it's, it's a house, right? And yeah. I, I've got a yeah. house and she obviously doesn't. So yeah. I'm, I'm bringing this to the marriage. Yeah. Okay. So you would certainly be talking to somebody about getting a prenuptial agreement because if it's your property and that's what you're bringing to the marriage, in the event of divorce, what you're saying is, I'd like to walk away with my property. The difficulty with yeah. the property, though, I'll be honest with you, is if that property then becomes the former matrimonial home, as the yeah. years go by, it may not be fair if, let's say, the marriage ended in divorce after 10 years and she wasn't entitled to any of it. So you'd need to take sure. some advice on that because it might be that we value the property going into the marriage and let's say it's worth 200000 and that we say whatever happens, we would like to take back the value of that property, you know, the net equity value of that property mm -hmm. in the event the marriage ends in divorce. Yeah. OK, because if we if we just say we want the whole property back and let's say in 10 years, the marriage then comes to an end. But that person, you know, your your spouse maybe hasn't worked and therefore accumulated money because they've been at home having the children, for example. It wouldn't be fair to then say that their housing needs shouldn't be dealt with. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, it's more so that I think at the point where we do get marriage, married, obviously, we're going to be both contributing to the property. But obviously, yeah. up to up to and then, I've put in the deposit, and yeah. I'll be paying a bit of my mortgage off, you know, yeah. for like two years. Yeah. And then after that, obviously, we'll we'll start paying the mortgage together. So I can understand once we start paying the mortgage off together, that yeah. portion of it being split equally. But when obviously when I'm bringing in a, a hefty deposit and you know paying the mortgage for two years, I'm just hoping to kind of protect that part of it. Yeah. No, I I understand. Definitely a prenup. But take some advice because when you do a prenup, you can't just kind of throw it in the drawer and forget about it. You do have to be seen to be revisiting that, um, you know, sort of within four to five years or whether there's an exceptional change in circumstances you would want to be seen to revisit. And what I mean by revisit is to be perhaps re-signing, re-dating so that we can keep live the intention of the prenup. But if you take some advice, then, sure. then you'll be fine. All right. Appreciate that. No uh, problem. Thanks for your help. Okay, bye. Oh, so, sorry, can I ask one? Oh, sorry, can yeah. we move on? Yeah. What's your question? Um, sorry, not, not, last question is, um, if I am getting married and there's someone like from abroad, yeah. for example, are, have they got the right to take and 
take the child um, abroad once you do get a divorce, or is that a no? That's a separate application. That doesn't come under finances, and, and a prenup won't protect that. That would be a children's application, and then the court would decide, sure. based on the facts it was presented with, as to whether that's in the best interest for the child to live in another country. Um, so they wouldn't be able to without your consent, and if you don't give your consent, they'd have to make an application to the court. Okay, All right. Sure. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good Bye. Um, Anna, thank you for your patience. What's your question? Hello, thank you for your time. That's okay. My question is regarding a child traveling abroad with one parent. Yeah. So I am separated from my child's dad. She is 13. He booked a trip to America, uh, bought the tickets without speaking to me. Yeah. I know nothing about it officially because I have been told by Chloe, not by her dad, um where where do i stand she lives with me full time unfortunately the circumstances are quite severe he is a an alcoholic so she cannot stay overnight with him yeah um where where do i stand with officially not knowing that he's taking her out of the country intends to what can i do to protect that chloe is looked after properly um it, that, that, that is it really um, I think where the, I come from yeah, the, I was gonna parents say that, don't do that the, the question that you have to ask yourself is will your daughter's uh, welfare be compromised if you allow the holiday to take place um, and I think it comes down to that really it's more difficult to try to extend some sort of policing or you know um, uh, input sort of some standards on him while they're on holiday the question is, is she going yeah. to be safe or isn't she? If she is going to be safe, obviously let the holiday go ahead. If she isn't going to be safe, then you can ask the court for what we call a prohibited steps order that would stop him okay. from taking her on holiday. Um, but obviously you want to think long and hard about that because she's 13, she might want to go. Um, you know, can he be trusted? Is you know, it's 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 a matter for you. It's a judgment call more than anything, really. But the legal answer would be okay. a prohibited steps order to stop him from taking her. If I thought she was going to be a, a, any kind of danger, yes. with him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, it has given me food for thought. Thank okay. you. Pleasure. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, right, uh, Bon. I'm going to shorten these names because I can't pronounce half of them. So, Bon, what's your question? Um, can you hear me okay? I can, yeah. Perfect. Um, so, me and my husband are thinking about separating. Yeah. The house that we have was given to him as a gift yeah. from his parents. It's only in his name. Yeah. Um, we've been married the whole time. We've lived. It was given as a gift seven years ago. In that time, we've lived here for 12 years. So, I just wondered where my rights are well if it's been given to him and it's now in his name then it is a matrimonial asset so it will be included in the matrimonial assets okay okay does that help yeah, that was yeah. it mainly okay yeah it does Lovely. thank you so much you're welcome bye. okay bye um right mick b 83 um you've got your hand up i'll invite you onto the stage just while i'm waiting for mick to join me um zoe tells me that karen and Anne are in the tiktok this evening karen helps us with passport questions and helps us with cms questions uh, mick what's your question 
Hiya. Hello. Um, oh, hiya again. Um, I'm due in court on the 28th of this month. Yeah. Um, but since the last court case, they've done a Section 7. Yeah. And they've referred it to uh, social services. I'm just unsure whether... I haven't heard that the court case has been postponed or isn't going ahead or anything. It's just whether, in the in, with what's happening in the interim, whether it would have any bearing on the case. Um, you haven't heard what, sorry. There's a Section 7 been ordered, but you haven't heard what. What was the next bit, if it's going to... Like, as if the court case has been delayed or anything, as, as it stands, as far as I know, it's still going ahead on the 28th. Um, okay, what uh, the twenty eighth, twenty eighth of July? You're talking about so next week. What? Why would yes. you? Why would you think it would be delayed, Mick? Uh, because they've put a no contact in in the in the meantime as part of like once it's been referred from the section seven uh, to so to uh, uh, the social worker. So with without further hearing, they've amended the existing order. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So we yeah. had a uh, an interim order in place. Um, and then they've put in a no contact in the meantime. I see. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say that there's a couple of red flags there, Mick. I don't know what they are. Um, all will be revealed, no doubt, on the 28th. The hearing on the on the 28th will still go ahead. Of course it will, um, because you will be afforded the opportunity of finding out what's happened, you know, what's been revealed um, that has resulted in no contact. Um, and obviously you'll be given an opportunity to to respond to that. Well, I was just a bit like, it yeah. sounded like a silly question, but I, I figured because no one had said different that it would still go ahead. But yes. uh, I, I wasn't 100% sure, so I thought I'd pick your brain. Yeah, no problem at all. I hope that helps. Thank all you right. very much. You're welcome. Bye bye. Uh, Crypto, how can I help? Hi there. Can you hear me, Eagle Queen? I can indeed. Yeah, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How can I help? Um, yeah, I have one quick question for you, and I guess one for, is it Karen from CMS? Oh, yes. Karen's passports and CMS. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so the the one for yourself is, um, so basically my, my brother's gone through the FDR process and and basically an offer has been accepted between the two of them and um, the barristers are drafting an agreement, but there's a couple of nitty-gritty points in the agreement that are being sort of debated yeah now his barrister told him that if it doesn't get agreed it will go in front of a judge and then the judge will make orders correct but that but i didn't understand that because i thought if there's not an agreement it would go to a final hearing Yes, well, in, in that the, the judge can make directions which will, be, will form part of an order. A final order won't be made unless the matter is listed for a final hearing. Um, but the, the orders will still be made as to you know what's needed in order to make the final hearing effective. So perhaps that's what the solicitor meant. OK, so they, they wouldn't make any orders on the actual agreement itself, on the order that they're trying to finalise now? There will be no final orders made, no. Not okay. unless they're in agreement. There'll be no final orders made. There may be okay. an order made by the judge, but it won't be final if the parties aren't yeah. in agreement to it. So, for okay. example, typically at an FDR, which for those of you that are listening, is the second hearing in the trilogy of financial hearings, directions that are typically made will be, you know, Section 25 statements are ordered by both parties, updating disclosure is ordered. There might be some 
business valuations or pension valuations that are needed. So the court will order that sort of thing um, in order that the final hearing will be effective because the court, the the only reason a final hearing is effective, i.e. the judge can make a final order, is if the judge has all of the evidence that it needs in front of it in order to be able to make that um, decision at final hearing. Do you see? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Fab. Okay. Yeah. And the question okay. for Anne? Although Anne will yeah. answer you on the TikTok, she won't be able to answer you on here. But what was the question? Anne's listening. Uh, okay, so the question is: if they want to agree a, a lump, if they want to agree a lump sum payment, yeah, rather than monthly CMS, yeah, how does that work? How can it form Anne, part of the so, court order? So and... I can I can answer that pay, uh, that um, question. If you put CMS yeah. orders or clauses into a financial order, they'll only last for twelve months. After 12 months, they'll drop away and CMS take back the jurisdiction for that. However, if we have what's called, say, children's periodical payment payments, sometimes we have a school fees order. Um, so th those payments are in addition to the CMS. All right. So got to be very careful about what the parties are entering into. Um, because the CMS will always take jurisdiction after 12 months just for that CMS element. But we may get a periodical payments for children that say help with the school fees or is in addition to CMS, depending on what the, the PPs are for, the periodical payments are for. So, yeah, so if, 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 for example, he wanted to pay all of his CMS for the next 10 years in a lump sum, there's yeah. nothing stopping her coming back and claiming her again after 12 months, you're saying? Correct, correct. I mean, obviously, what he, if she did that, he would then submit the order that he paid a lump sum in lieu of that. But I don't know how the CMS would treat that. That is probably a better question for Anne. So if you pop onto the TikTok, hopefully she'll give you an answer to that. Okay, All thank right? you so much, Legal Queen. You're welcome. You. Bye. Missy, let me come back to you, take you off mute. Can I hear you now? Hello. Hello. There we go. I can hear you this time. Ah. How can right. I? Help? I, I yeah. Right. I've got yeah. a question. Go on. <laughs> I was reading. You're on my iPad. Yeah. I was looking at questions on Discord on my phone. <laughs> Think so you... that might be what was. Oh, I don't know. It's technical. I'm too old. I don't understand. <laughs> right. This is for Lily. Yeah. Do you advise a separation agreement? So we can split finances and I buy the house before divorce. Not really, because a separation agreement, if we think about the title there, it's an agreement between you both. OK, so first of all, it's not legally binding by the court. And therefore, if the agreement falls down, um, then the other person could come back to you for more money. So let's say that you enter into a separation agreement you sell the property, you divide the money 50-50 and the other half goes and spends it all. You still don't have that financial order. So they can still come back and make a claim against you. And it's no good you waiving the separation agreement in front of the court because the judge will say, well, that was an agreement between you two. That's got nothing to do with the court. It's not legally binding. So very risky. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that at all. That's it. That's all I've got at the moment. All right. Cheers, Missy. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, Mart. Let's come to you. And there we go. Mart's up. Hello. You're up. Oh, there we go. I can hear you, Mart. Right. I got a couple of you. These are leftovers from Tuesday, so I'll just get straight into them. Okay. Um, and dad lose parental rights on other children if he's 
had his two children lived in his house removed and adopted due to neglect and substance and alcohol abuse. If children have been adopted, you're going to lose your PR anyway. So I think, but I think what the question says is his other children have been adopted. So will he lose parental responsibility of other children? The answer to that is no, not automatically. You can only lose PR by adoption or by way of the court removing it. Oh, I think I've lost. Yeah. My oh, yeah. Okay, you're back. Yeah. Um, I have three children and pay child support, um, but my children have. I have my children at least half. Of, I think this is more a question for Anne. I'll inbox Anne this one. Okay. All right. Um, the next one is. I have a current contact order in place yeah. for my my twenty months, twenty one months. Yeah. Dad wasn't involved for the first year of his life. Uh, contact is two days a week and every other weekend. Yeah. I'm due my daughter in two weeks, and I've applied for a court uh, for court relocation order to move to Ireland with my new partner and my daughter's father. Yes. Because of a that this isn't granted. Yeah. Whole situation would be better. Uh, my son will have a better life in Ireland. Contact can be maintained, just not as often as the current order. What can I do? Um, well, with a relocation application, all I would say there is that you've really got to provide oodles and oodles of evidence. So not just the fact that it's in the child's best interest, but that the person moving has got a job, has got housing, that the child's not going to come to any harm or the welfare concerns um, aren't going to be triggered. Um, and that that's all you do with a relocation application. You literally throw everything at it, absolutely everything. Um, the fact that it's going to amend the existing contact that's been ordered or that's been proposed, you just have to propose an alternative contact um, regime so that you know the court can be reassured that it's going to change but the child's still going to have contact with that parent okay mark are you still there no if you are i can't hear you i'm so sorry uh missy i'm going to come to you again you've got another question for me i have right i, I didn't know i didn't quite catch the name of this i think it was a lady yeah um, I've been separated for five years and he still doesn't want to give me a divorce. How can I get it done? You just start it. You just start the divorce online um, and then when it comes to having him served, because if he doesn't want to do it, he's not going to sign the acknowledgement of service. So then what they've got to do is get a process server to serve them. Re really straightforward. Right. I've got another one. This yeah. is Claudia. Um, I did catch this name. Yeah. Um, can grandparents apply for PR? Um, they have to have permission to apply for PR. The difficulty with grandparents is um, that they have to show the court that they've been such a fundamental part of the children's lives that actually a, an order, a contact order or even a residence order in some cases um, is in the child's best interest. And by virtue of that child arrangements order, they'll automatically get PR. But where some grandparents struggle is, you know, they might only be seeing the children once a week or once a month. And on those grounds, the courts may not deem it appropriate. You know, it was it was in the um, in the media some years ago that grandparents got rights. And it was for those grandparents that perhaps offered childcare all day, every day. And then the parents split up and all of a sudden the grandparents didn't get to see the children anymore. 
So it's where they're having lots and lots of contact with the grandchildren. All of a sudden that's taken away because the parents have split up. So I always advise grandparents, take some advice so that we can understand what the routine has been between you and your grandchildren. Okay, it's all right, someone in Angel, sorry. Um, uh, what was that if the other person doesn't respond to the divorce? So, Jules, what you need to do is contact a process server. So once you issue your divorce petition, you do your divorce petition, you send it to the court, which is all done online, by the way, on the government website. The court's then going to email it to your spouse. And all your spouse has to do is tick some boxes to say they've received it. Chances are he's not going to do that because he doesn't want the divorce, which was the initial part of your question. So at that point, you Google your nearest process server. They'll charge anywhere between 100 to £150. Pounds. You'll send them the divorce petition. They will then serve them directly. So they'll knock on their front door, go to their place of work or whatever, serve them, give them the divorce petition, and then give you a statement of service. And you then, Jules, send that statement of service into the court and away you go again. You won't need them, your ex-spouse, for any other part of the divorce. And can you just tell people, um, did somebody wants to get a divorce, they've yep. been separated for 13 years. Yeah. Not sure where they are, how can they find them? So that that's a bit more tricky, but not impossible. You've really got to scour. You've got to go through social media. You've got to go through family, old friends that you had together. Perhaps put an advert in the paper. What you're effectively going to end up doing, is use an inquiry agent, Google inquiry agent. They usually turn up something. And again, they're not expensive. You'll pay between 80 to £100 as long as you've got the name and the date of birth. But effectively, what you're saying to the court is, I've tried everything, Judge. I've even put an advert in the paper um, of where, you know, the local paper to where they were last known to have lived. I've tried absolutely everything, um, and, you know, that's within my power and I just can't find an address for them. And the court will then say that the deemed service has taken place, that actually, you know, you have tried your best and we will now let the divorce petition go ahead. The other thing we can do is ask the court for what's called a disclosure order, where the court see if they can find the address. So there's lots and lots we can do, and you'll still be able to get your divorce. It just takes a little bit longer. And that's all I've got for you at the moment. Lovely. All right. Thanks, Missy. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Mart, sorry, I had to cut you off because I couldn't hear you, but you're back on again now. So pick up where you left off. Can you hear me? I can't. Um, so we have a child arrangement order in place. Yeah. Solid contact has been ongoing for the last eight months. Yeah. But now I'm then my daughter's father is unintentionally and emotionally abusing my two-year-old by breaching the court order. Yeah. And not returning the child home and keeping specific. Keeping the what? I've, I've lost you again. Keeping the what, Mark? Specific items. Okay. So I suppose the first thing we're going to look at, or the first question I'd want to ask is... Is the breach fundamentally harming the child? That's the first question. Because um, what, what he says in this is the, the child has Down syndromes and these specific items that he's keeping, the child depends on. Oh, I see. I see. OK. Um, yes. Well, then, if that's had a negative impact on the child, um, the breaches need to be taken back to court. The reason I, I started with that question is that sometimes a breach, even though it's an out-and-out -out breach... It comes down to co-parenting and taking it back to court won't always fix it because whilst you can take back 
a breach of an order, if it actually comes down to co-parenting, there's not too much the court can do. But if it's non-return of items that the child needs, um, then obviously that needs to be addressed. So that's that's slightly different. Yeah, no, that's fine. And the last one, I'm sure you'll be familiar with this one. So Section 7 report, um, I feel that the Catholic officer is being very biased. No um, assessment has been carried out or any interviews have yet, but she's already made a decision and and told the decision that it's going to stay in a contact centre until the child is 16. How do I go about... Um, do I get another contact uh, Kafka's officer or do I make a complaint? The f the, so I would say no to both of those things. Um, I would be asking the court for assistance here, um, almost play dumb, and sort of be saying to the court, I'm really struggling. Here's all the contact reports which say that contact's glowing, you know, and, and, and they do. Um, and I'm really struggling to understand why, because actually having contact in a contact centre until the child is 16 isn't really in the child's best interest. Do we honestly think, Judge, which is what I'd be saying, that a 13 or a 14 year old um, child wants to, you know, rock up to a contact centre at the weekend? Absolutely not. They're going to want to spend time with their friends. Whereas, you know, and, and you can't be flexible with a contact centre. So generally, teenagers will say, oh, we don't want to see you on Saturday, but how about we spend some time Sunday afternoon? You don't have that option when you're in a contact centre. So I would be yeah. sort of saying to the court, we're going to need to find a balance here. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, I'm really struggling to understand why CAFCAS have made that recommendation. Perhaps CAFCAS could, you know... Um, expand or, or 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 you know just let me know i mean that a report's got to be done i take it that hasn't been received yet so maybe that will help us understand because you know we there's nothing to say that we can't challenge a kafkas report particularly when reports are glowing from the contact center is what i would say but don't make a complaint because all we're going to do is poke the bear we've got to be very diplomatic in this in this situation Okay, well, right. cheers, Tress. No worries. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Um, Miss Anna, I'm going to come to you because I accidentally knocked you off the stage. Uh, I'm so sorry. So what's your question? You're back on. I'm so pleased you put your hand back up. How can hey, I help? Did you hear me? I, I can hear you, yeah. I have a question because it's, it's my is like is I had a court uh, child agreement order, but I say I break because I have so many reasons why. I go last week again court. My ex-partner, my son's father, he applied court last year. He didn't turn for one court as well. And they was cancelled that court. And after that, I can't remember, two weeks later on, I had second court. So I turned up. He didn't turn up. And I said, George, what's going on? Why is I break that uh, agreement? first one i have reason they know everything so he did again because he was outside from uk for one year he came back and he did again because my son he don't want to see him and he think i i told he i told him so i don't want to like giving to him yes yeah and um i go again court uh next month but this is the first time because if I always went to court, but now it's second gatekeeping. Do you know how to they work out? 
is that is a because we don't need to attend a court they will be like they will be look for uh, how to say they will look for all this case application from what he did to me so anna i anna, go can, can I... I go appointment kafka's yeah. first yeah. august i didn't spoke with them yet but i was anna. wondering they will be see uh, what happened last year because they took a report already yeah. from me as well from last year Anna, they will be seeing Anna, can everything I, what can i just jump in sorry i i understand what you're saying but what is your question to me just ask me your question i, I have i have question how work out that second gating because is i got like yeah. a court paper yeah but they said no part will attended or yeah. uh, like particle in the appointment yeah. yes i'm not going there there will be happen 17 august next month yeah. yes yeah with that, me yeah i think so without him okay. and there will be just crackers okay okay i think Anna, at the end of the day that any application that comes before the court has to be dealt with. The court have got so many applications before them at the moment. What they're introducing is this gatekeeping. So Kafkas have been asked probably, from what you're saying, to do a safeguarding letter. And from there then, they are likely to allocate you a hearing date, but it's going to be in accordance with the urgency of your application, okay? Okay, so, okay, but, okay. But, but you will get court time. It's just that the court that you're in are trying to identify who needs to get in, you know, who needs to get in the front of the queue, if that makes sense. Oh, okay, okay. okay because that, this is the first time I've seen that yeah. that letter, because it's the same part attend will be attend. Yeah. But so so that is first time yes. uh, I've seen it. Because yeah. it, he, I have reason, the court know because from last year, because it was the Kafka's, I told them I speak with George and everything. So I told what a reason I break that the first order. Yeah. I didn't say he can't meet soon, but is some reason how, because he's, there was like, I don't know where he live, how he live. He would start pushing me for taking two weekends, but okay. he has like four hours for uh, come to where I live. He live far away from me. All right, the, Anna, different I'm going okay, so, to leave it there if that's okay, because there's a few more hands up to ask a question. But was that helpful? Okay. Yes, yes, that's okay. helpful. Yeah, yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, Annette, let me try you again. How can I... Oh. They're off mute. How can I help? Hello. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes, Annette. What's your question? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Lovely to speak to you. Um, basically, um, I'm a disabled lady. I retired at age 30. And luckily, the bank that I was working for gave me full pension on ill health. Yeah. Now, I'm separated with my husband going through the financial agreement. And his solicitor has asked for 27% of my pension. Is he allowed to take my pension? He's, he's basically lowered his hours. I don't work. He's lowered his hours to the minimum part-time hours and he's claiming poverty and he's trying to get 27% of my ill health pension. Is that possible? So, Annette, at the end of the day, a pension share will apply based on the contributions made during the marriage. So it doesn't really matter what he's doing now if he's reduced his hours. They, the court's going to want to look at all the contributions made by you and by him during the length of the marriage and then try and equalise them. 
that that's what that means so it won't be based on the present position it's going to be based on the past and what's happened during the marriage and by the sounds of it they've worked out that in order to equalize the pensions he needs to take 20 27 percent of yours yeah it's only because in the last month for 20 years i've been with him in the last month he's reduced his hours because he said he's he basically turned around to me and said you'll get nothing i'll do minimum hours so you get nothing and he that to take some of your pension which i think is very unfair yeah so so his decision to do no hours will not be reflected in the pension share it may be reflected in other areas of the financial agreement right. but not the pension right okay. okay all right thank you very much Thanks. for clearing that up thank you that's all right bye um surely you are next what's your question Hi, Tracy. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, so I'm in the process of divorce. Um, we're going through a pensions actuary at the moment. Yeah. Um, from the outset, my soon-to-be ex-husband keeps pushing um, towards my solicitor the fact that I work four days a week, not five days a week. Right. Um, that is because my job is flexible around our children, um, so I can put my hours into my fifth day. Um, but he's now got to the point that he's been researching what I could potentially be earning if I returned to work full time yeah. in an industry that I used to work in. Um, is the judge going to look at that and see that as being reasonable? Probably not. No, because, you know, you have a routine at the moment that enables you to look after your child and it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You take on more hours, yeah. you may then end up with bigger childcare costs and you end up in yeah. exactly the same financial position. So, you know, mm. that it's it's the other side's job to strengthen their case by pointing out what they consider to be the flaws in your case. But don't be intimidated mm -hmm. by that because obviously you will come back with why their suggestions aren't appropriate. Could, just on that, just for one further question. So yeah. I'm wondering if he's thinking I'm going to ask for spousal maintenance because there is such... Um, disparity between our earnings yeah um but i'm actually not i'm all i'm looking for is a split of the equity and a split of the pensions yeah um so if this argument and the judge allowed this argument would it have a bearing on the equity split um it's difficult to answer that without knowing a bit more about your case what i would say is that if you think that he's being slightly intimidated because he doesn't know quite what you're going for be transparent about it but, you know, mm. make an offer and say, look, th this is what this is what I'm looking for. You know, this is this mm. is the order that I'm going to be seeking from the court, um, because if if it is that he thinks you're going to be asking for more and you're not, you may be able to settle out of court. Yeah. OK, that's great. Thanks All very right. much, Tracy. No worries. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Um, Guna, you are next up. What's your question? Hello. 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 Um... So, trying to keep it brief, um, me and my, well, I'm separated from my partner. Um, yeah. She moved out of our marital home on November. Yeah. Um, we, in that time, we was trying to sell or rent the property. We had no interest. Um, I was living with my parents. Yeah. I moved back into our property in January. Um, and I've been living here since. Um, we both own the property. Um, basically, she's now coming to me saying she can't afford to live where she's living. Yeah. Even though she's cohabitating with her new partner. Um, so she's asking me to basically either buy, let her buy me out or sell the property. Um, that's not really going to suit me because I'll be homeless. 
if I were to do so. Yes, I'll have money in the bank, but I can't get a mortgage on my own wage, on my own. I basically can't afford to live by myself. So yeah. I'm only able to live here in the house that we own together because she's obviously paying half the mortgage. Yes. Um, I just wonder where I sort of stand with that because obviously if I don't agree to the terms that she brings to the table um, and it goes to court, like what's, what's going to happen if you get what I mean? Like, I don't know where I sort of stand. I do, Are you going to kick me out? or? Yeah, I do know exactly what, what you mean. You're going to need to get an hour's advice, Guna, because right. there are so many other questions that I need to ask you right now, but of course I can't on this mm-hmm. platform. Once yeah. I have the answer to, you know, half a dozen or so questions, then I'm going to understand a little bit more about this marriage and then be able to afford you the advice that, yeah. you, it, that is technically what, what, what you're looking for, really. You want to know what your legal position is. Can she throw you out? What are you going to do if the court decide to make an order for sale? How are you going to move on? It might not even be 50-50. It might be 70-30 in your, in your favour. I don't know the answer to that yet. Um, mm-hmm. I would need to have a private conversation with you. Okay? Yeah, no problem. Either Just one little thing else we can answer. Yeah. Will her leaving the marital home affect her, like, case, if you get what I mean? So like, I did her... move out originally. Yeah. Her... But that, at that period it of time, doesn't... she was undecisive of what she wanted it... to do, whether to stay with me or leave me, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter. It doesn't um, matter. I just wonder. Sorry. Go on. It, it doesn't matter who moved out. That's irrelevant. The, uh-huh. What we're looking at is the age of the parties, the earning capacity of the parties. Do we have any health conditions? Are there any under 18 children? You mentioned yeah. to me that she was already in a cohabiting relationship. How long has that been? What are they earning, the actual new partner? Okay. It's not when you separated and who moved out. It's the it's right. the bigger financial picture now that we need to be interested in. Okay. All right? Okay. Fab. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much. Bye. Um, Becky, I'm going to come to you next. What's your question? Hi. Nice Hello. to speak to you. You too. Love your Instagram. Thank you. <laughs> um, so just um, a very brief, just three really small questions. I'll yeah. keep it really brief. My sister had a court agreement from um, social services, took her to court for... Um, under a child protection plan because um, she sort of started doing uh, drinking a bit of alcohol, a bit more than a bit probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she gets to see the kids in a contact centre. Um, the court had said like such and such an amount of time each week. She's got five children, two of which are sort of disabled. Um, the first question is, in the court, in the contact centres, can social services um, turn up and then start using that time to ask my sister Abigail to fill out forms or taking pictures of the children and doing process? Or is that a private time? Um, look, it, it's probably not great that they're doing that, that they're using that time to get your, your sister to fill out the forms. But I think the rule of thumb is you want to get them on side. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you yeah. really do need to get them on side. If you have, you know, perhaps been a little bit neglectful um, of your children and, you know, social services have waded in there, you've almost got to work twice as hard to gain their trust again. So I, yeah. I probably wouldn't challenge them, even though it's frustrating. I'd just fill the forms in quicker. Do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Um, And if the court agreed that they... um, The courts of um, social services had said that um, that the time that my sister gets to spend with the children over the summer holidays might not be what was agreed in court because of various reasons, I guess, summer holidays. Can they change that um, without going not, back to court? No, they can't really, because if we've got a court order, they don't have the power to change that without getting another court order. So, you know, if okay. the, 
the, the difficulty that she'll have, Becky, is that if social services deem, perhaps, that from when that court order was made until now, other things have changed that mean the court yeah. order shouldn't be abided by, then, yes, she can take it back to enforce. But if social services go, oh, well, the reason that we've changed it, Judge, is because of this, this and this... No, are... it's not that. No, okay. yeah, I think her drug and alcohol tests, um, you know, they're all absolutely fine. She's had a results through this week, so, you know, everything's gone really well so okay. far. Um, but I think there's just times where um, maybe they're sort of changing the bar a little bit in terms of what was agreed in court. And, um, you know, we're not really sure where we stand. She's got legal aid and obviously that's sort of bottom of the list for the, for the solicitor to speak to her. Um, but, yeah, we just weren't sure. Like tomorrow she's got the meeting about the summer holidays and they're saying times might change and you might not be able to see the kids as much as what was put in the court order. And, and again, just, just find out why. Just, just, I, I, you know, ask the question, why? Um, you know, what? why are we not sticking to the court order? Is there something I can do to assist that we stick to the court order? You know, it might be that it's not even your sister's fault. Maybe it's out of her control and it's something within them, the, de- the department itself. So, yeah, I think just, that's just, what it is. Yeah, yeah that is so, what it is. So yeah. just, just ask um, why. But what, as again, okay. I, I can't stress enough, Becky, always be looking to keep them on side, okay? Don't totally. go, don't go yeah, against them. Yeah, no, I know them. that, yeah. Brilliant. Um, and then the only other thing was, I think it says in the six months supervised and uh, in a contact centre, can we or at any point sort of um, go to them and say, well, can we have like myself, for instance, because I've had like my viability assessment done that I can supervise her? You can certainly put it forward. I mean, unless the court's specific about who supervises, then put it forward. Yeah, if they deem you to be safe and and appropriate, then I don't see why not. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Becky. Bye. Bye. Um, Kate, you are next up. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. Hello, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. you did kind of answer it in one of the previous questions, but I'm not sure if mine will be a little bit um, different. Yeah. So I was married to my husband for 25 years and we've been separated now for eight years. And we married when I was 24, he was 29 and we're now like late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. He's basically saying he wants to split... Um, the the marital home 50 50 but he doesn't want our pensions to be touched he has however got a full naval service pension so my question is because we've been seeing such mixed information online i went to my fda with um, a mckenzie friend he had a solicitor who's also his friend they're basically saying if i was to even try and touch his naval pension um he would argue that you know he paid in 10 years prior to us getting married but I just feel like I would be at a disadvantage because obviously I was younger when we got married. I didn't have them years to pay into a pension as much as him. And I'm, well, yeah, I'm just asking, do you think it is worth it for me to fight to say we go 50-50 on pensions or so, is it a bit of a lost cause? Kate, the law's very clear on pension. It will be contained to the contributions made in the marriage. So we're only, so if he has 10 years of pre-pension pre-marital contributions they won't be included and I take your point that you were younger but then of course you can play catch up now where he can't so you know you are also younger than he is I assume from what you've just said he he won't be able to keep paying into pension but you can so the law will only look at the period of marriage and if you've had any cohabitation that you know led into marriage they will take that into account as well and they'll look at the the 
that period, whether it be 10 years or 20 years, and it'll be all the contributions made in that time period. Okay, thank you. So just one last question, because um, obviously I'm going to have to go to my FDR soon. Would because obviously these sort of pensions they are like notoriously known to be worth a lot more than what was provided on the CTV value could the judge actually turn around and say we're going to award you to get an actuary on it because I mean I personally believe it is probably worth more than what he put down initially but again I don't know whether if by me arguing yeah that's what I want to happen whether that would just open the can of worms I don't know whether the judge could sort of order for it to happen Kate if if the if the pension is substantial then an actor is going to be needed anyway because we've got to try and ring fence those 10 years and that falls outside of the expertise of a solicitor so your question is, can the court order an actuary's report to determine what percentage of his pension should be passed to you? Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you so much You're for welcome. answering. All right. Thanks, Kate. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Uh, GZ, I'm going to come to you. Let me take you off mute. What's your question? Hiya, Tracy. Thanks Hello. for, thanks for uh, taking my message. That's um, all right. Pleasure. I'm in the process of... Um, separating from uh i've got a civil partnership and i've applied for dissolution yeah so i have a court date of the uh first of august for the pronouncement i'm just wondering uh, at what stage i should apply for the financial order the reason i'm asking is uh basically my partner hasn't contributed anything towards the property that we live in we have no dependents the property's in my name everything around the property has has it's been me who's financed it. Um, I'm considering something like a, is it called a clean break order? I wonder if you could explain a bit more about that. Yeah, so a clean break is where there are no assets to be divided between the parties. We don't have any capital assets, so home, uh, savings, anything like that. We don't have any pensions um, and income is relatively the same. We don't have any independent, uh, sorry, dependent children either. So the court would deem a clean break, literally sever the financial ties with nothing else to be appropriate. But you mentioned there, Jeezy, that you have a home, regardless of the fact that it's in your name and you said that she never made any financial contributions to it. As your wife, it's still a matrimonial asset. So I think the first thing you need to do is probably get some advice on to whether or not she's entitled to a share of that, because the court won't necessarily look at financial contributions where you're married Okay, because there's other contributions as well that are included within a marriage. Um, So it may be that a clean break isn't appropriate in your case. It may be that it is. But you will need to take some advice on that because you mentioned there was a home. Does that, sorry, just to clarify, does that that include if uh, my ex-partner is in agreement that Uh, or doesn't want to make any financial claim at all? If they don't want to make a financial claim, we still have to make sure that the clean break is fair and reasonable. So the clean break is the actual order itself. What we then attach to that is what's called the D81. You can take a look at this after this call, Jeezy. The D81 is an admin form, and it's the court's way of knowing if the order it's being asked to make is fair and reasonable. And what the D81 is going to ask is just some high level information. What are you both earning? What are the assets within the marriage? What's the value of the pensions? Um, And are your housing needs met? So it will ask where you're both living and if you own or if you rent. And by looking at that, the court's then able to determine if that clean break is fair and reasonable. Now, if it's not, 
but your wife doesn't want to make a claim, we then would have to attach a letter explaining why. So it again, the court's just going to want to be sure because when these orders are made they're almost set in stone you can't change them then it's very hard to vary a financial order so that's why the court wants to be really careful you know is she under duress is she of sound mind before it goes making an order does that make sense yeah it does absolutely thank you ever so much you're welcome pleasure bye-bye bye-bye um helena let me try you again see if i can hear you this time okay there we go i can hear you now you go for it thank you so much yeah a quick question my ex-husband applied for uh permission to appeal on financial order that was made uh, last june 2022 and split 65 to 35 in my favor and uh, the family house to be sold when my youngest turns uh, 11. I am the primary uh, carer for the children and uh, he wants the, he, the appeal is just that he is not happy for uh, the order and he wants the house to be sold right now. And uh, he wants to get 65% off in his favor. How uh, likely the permission to uh, appeal will be granted and uh, do you think the judge will change the order? So prospects of appeal, Helena, I wouldn't be able to answer that on the Discord. I'd need to know so much more information, I'm afraid. Um, And again, your question about will the judge change the order, um, I'd need to understand the context. If a financial order's been made, it's very hard to change them, as I just said to the previous caller. Um, but without yeah. any context at all, I really couldn't answer. Yeah, he made himself so. homeless and he reduced the hours that he works. And I'm working as a nurse, but part-time. And he uh, probably, he said that he I am earning more than him. Yeah. And he wants the, the house to be sold right now. And yeah. um, it's still, he it's also still, offered the judge to, for me to... Yeah. Um, uh, home ownership Helena things? yeah I, I appreciate that you're desperate for an answer but I just wouldn't be yeah. able to answer you I'm so sorry this is going to need yeah. you to have a consultation with a solicitor all right there's, okay. there's so much that needs to be that, that to be known before I could answer that oh. all right oh so okay. sorry all right, thank you so much all right bye okay bye-bye um, it's really hard, guys. I'm going to come to you next, Mark. It's really hard sometimes when, you know, I know that I jump on here and I help answer questions, but some of these questions, it's not that I'm being difficult at all. Please don't think that. And there's some of you out there thinking that, you know, I, I say that you'll need to take advice because I want the people to come to me. That's not it either. But some of these questions are really loaded um, and there's just so much more information that I would need. It's it's not It's not that easy to just say yes or no. Um, Mark, you're on mute, but whenever you're ready, take yourself off mute and ask me the question. Um, this is just a quick one for you, really, Trace. Yep. Um, what's, the best, well, what's the best way forward in mediation? We have our first session on Monday. Yeah. How's best to start and what sort of questions would be asked if we have child full time? We, we set up mediation and the parent has broken four previous court orders yep. and the GP, has major, the GP has major safeguarding concerns. Okay. I think that um, mediation only works if you go into it with an open mind. So the mediator, I, I always say to people, won't give legal advice. That's not what they're there for. They are there to facilitate an agreement between the parents. It sounds to me as if these parents aren't able to co-parent, which is generally the case for most parent disputes that end up before the court. 
So go into mediation being willing to give a little in order to get a little. Do you know what I mean? It's because when you get to court, it's very confrontational. It's very win-win. So people become very positional in, in, in their, in their yeah. positions, in, in the stance that they take. Mediation is the direct opposite to that. Be open to listening to what the other parent is trying to say and the mediator will help you there because sometimes it comes down to perception. Sometimes what the other person is saying isn't what we're hearing. So the mediator will try to, you know, navigate you both through that. But know that in order for mediation to work, you've got to be open to maybe conceding a few points for the other side and for them to concede to what it is that you want. That's the best advice I can give for mediation, really. Because if you both go in, stick to your positions, the mediator can't shift either of you, well, then you'll end up in court. But the court can't help parents to co-parent, if that makes sense. Okay, brilliant. All right. Brilliant, that's it. That's all I can Cheers. All right, no problem at all. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm going to wrap it up there. It's 7 o'clock. Um, hope that you guys enjoyed that family law hour. Um, and for those of you that ask questions, I hope I was able to help. Um, and I will see you all again soon. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.